0: Hello and welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. My name is Sandra Lewin and I am your host. I'm on a mission to make insurance a career choice, not a chance. Together with my amazing guests, we are sharing our career stories, tips, and insights into work life and insurance in hope to inspire diverse talent to join and remain within the industry. The insurance profession is changing, so it couldn't be a better time to showcase the fantastic women across the insurance market. Let's jump into today's episode. Biju, welcome to 100 Women in Insurance podcast. I am very happy you're here. Um, I found out about your profile, about your journey from Sarah Saturn at Scent. Uh, and I, I was, I was straight away very excited about this conversation. So it's, it's really good to have you here. Um, this podcast is also sponsored by Scent, which is just incredible. I'm very excited about this. And for those who don't know, um, Send is a a award-winning insurance software company. Its flagship product is an AI-enabled underwriting workbench, a single platform from submission to bind and beyond. The platform helps commercial and specialty insurers around the world drive great efficiency, control, and effectiveness. It has a rich out-of-box functionality, workflow templates for over 40 lines of business, and proven deployments in multiple geographies. Now, this is second time I'm like well it's actually second time it's been a few times I've been reading this because obviously I have to practice as well <laughs> and every time I really like sort of what you know it's so easy to capture exactly what they are up to but you know as I said we go introduced by Sarah and I think your journey here is incredible so for those who don't know you please introduce yourself
1: Um, So firstly, thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Um, and thank you, Sarah, for introducing us. Um, So I'm Bijal, as you know, Um, I'm the co-founder and chief technical officer at Aurora. Um, Aurora is a digital MGA that formed just over two years ago. Um, And it specialises in algorithmically traded digital commercial insurance products that are available online and in real time. And what that means is customers and brokers can get complex commercial insurance for the first time online and in real time. So, for example, we're going live soon with our commercial combined products, which have traditionally only been manually underwritten for the mid-market space. And for the first time, they will be able to, brokers and customers, customers will for the first time be able to buy them online and in real time, so that's what we do. Um, As as Chief Technical Officer, I oversee all the technical functions in the business, so a lot of people think, um, as CTO, I only look after the technology division, um, but actually I look after the whole core technical functions, so I'm an actuary by background, so I look after the pricing, algorithmic underwriting, claims, data, portfolio management and technology functions. That's amazing. And we will get
0: into this actuarial journey because it actually doesn't start in insurance. And um, so, you know, it's a bit of a spoiler alert, but um, I always ask at the beginning of the podcast, Korean insurance, choice or a chance? Tell us about it.
1: So it ended up being a choice and that's because at university I started off doing medicine. So I was geared up to becoming a doctor um, and the reason I went into medicine was I just really liked the job, the job satisfaction um, that was huge for me. However, when doing it, I realised what I hate doing is memorising. I just hate hate just memorising big pieces of text and that's exactly what the course was. Um, so I realised that's not for me. That's not something I enjoy. I wasn't getting happiness from it. Um, and I decided to move into something that's more problem solving based and more mathematical, which I thought was more my natural tendency. So I looked up different vocations because I wanted to. Medicine, what I liked about it was it had, it, there was a vocation. There was something at the end where I knew this was the goal, this was where I was headed. Um, so I researched and found something called actuarial science which meant um, it's maths based, statistics based, problem solving and at the end of it I can apply to a specific job um, and I know what my route is. So I I ended up doing that um, and after that I applied to various graduate schemes and ended up in the pensions actuarial graduate scheme at Willis Towers Watson so I started off doing pensions, um, loved the people, loved the job in terms of the problem solving element, love like Excel spreadsheets. As an actuary, you have to love some Excel own this. spreadsheets. It's <laughs> absolutely
0: fine. Listen, I always say I love a whiteboard and a marker, right, as a PM. So like I get excited when I see a whiteboard. Yeah, you so can't it's get better okay than Excel. <laughs> no,
1: <laughs> that's it. We
0: all have our own little things.
1: Yeah. Um, so... But the thing uh, with pensions is I found it uh, very repetitive um, and wanted to explore other avenues, knew it wasn't giving me the happiness that I was looking for at, at work. So, after two years, I decided to move into the insurance team um, at Willis Towers Watson. So, I moved office, moved into the insurance team, which I found a lot more interesting. So, it was more where I wanted to be um, interesting risks and a lot of different variety. Um, And I got exposure to different areas of actuarial science as well. So, within insurance, there's three core divisions. There's the pricing, reserving and capital modelling. started off doing reserving really enjoyed it but then also fell into the same trap again which was it's quite repetitive there's quarterly reserving reviews and every quarter you feel like you're doing the same thing again Um, so moved again into the pricing um, and underwriting space so what I enjoyed about that was um, it's there's a lot more variety. Every pricing project is different um, and you're more thinking commercially about the goals of this project, what do you want to achieve, and then building a a solution from scratch to achieve that. So, that was much more enjoyable for me. Um, So, I did that for a couple of years, specialised into commercial insurance rather than personal lines because I felt that was More what I enjoy, there's a lot more variety. There's all weird and wonderful risks um, that you get exposure to, and a lot of complex risks as well. Um, And while I was doing that, I split my time um, in the last couple of years at Willis House Watson between the pricing and underwriting actuarial consulting team and the technology team. So I was working with the technology team to help build new software. so working at uh, in the on the product side to help the developers know what kind of technology underwriters and pricing actuaries would want for commercial insurance in the market so I love that I absolutely love that and I love that intersection between actuarial and technology um, and I felt I finally found what I really want to do, which is digital insurance um, and that's uh, sort of how I've ended up in in the space I am I am in now, and I'm really happy, which is digital commercial insurance. That's incredible
0: and what what a journey and thank you for sharing the journey. And there's a theme in your journey, right? And that theme is of you actually going, mm, hang on a second, there's, there's something not here, right? There's something missing. This is not necessarily, this is what I enjoy. So this job is not giving it to me. So I will move on to something else. I'll find something else. Let me look for another solution. It's a skill. Um, you know, a lot of people go, something is not right, but I'll sit here because uh, either I should be here because hey I'm on this trajectory of a you know success and as you said there is a especially if you're in a role there's like there's a clear goal where I'm gonna get um to and they don't move what what do you think throughout your career kind of helped you to continue to kind of search for the next thing
1: I think um just as a person I'm really motivated by like searching where I'm happiest um so it, for me, money, position, all of that stuff is not as motivating. It's am I happy or not in this job? And what gives me happiness is where can I add the most value? Um, and so that job job satisfaction that I've been looking for the whole time, it, that's what motivates me um, is providing value and so that's all I'm always trying to iterate to find how do I optimize my own happiness at work given we spend so so many hours of our life at work how do I optimize my happiness within those hours.
0: I think that's so important is you do you know yes we are going to have bad days but but in principle, you, you should be enjoying more or less what you're doing, isn't it? And if not, then there is, or finding a way to enjoy it and then finding something within. I mean, how do you, you know, if someone is listening to it and they're going, yeah, well, I'm not feeling it, but I also don't know where to go. Like, how do you go out there and look for this other option?
1: Um, I think it's building a network and asking around. Um, so the first thing, a lot of people ask me this because they're stuck in what, they know they're not happy and they want to change, but they don't know what to change into. And the first step is always figuring out what you enjoy and what you don't enjoy. And it may be that you're not happy where you are. And it's just, um, it's sort of discovering yourself while, whether you're young or not it's discovering what parts of your job are making you unhappy and what parts are making you happy and then focus on developing those parts you enjoy and doing more of that so what job can give me more of the things I enjoy and less of the things I really don't enjoy I like that that's that's brilliant and I find it fascinating so
0: you and uh you know in one of the largest broking houses, your career path is pretty much set. You know where you're going, you're successful in what you're doing. And then you're making the transition to become a co-founder of a startup, which is very successful and is doing really well. But that's a brave moment, <laughs> brave step to take, right? And and we know there are people in the market that are thinking about it or maybe have done it, et cetera. What, what have you, what has happened at that point? you know when you were going do I, do I not? Tell me more about that transition.
1: So um, in the last couple of years um, at my previous job, Um, I loved the innovation that I was working on. So that intersection between actuarial science and technology um, and building new innovative propositions for the market. I loved that. Uh, And I found what I really enjoyed, which is um, building new innovation for the market and digital commercial insurance. And I was looking for something that would give me that as my full-time job and I couldn't find the opportunity. Um, And it was by chance, so I met my co-founder while I was working on one of the innovation projects that he started at Willis-Towers Watson, and he was a broker um, out in Singapore for Marine Cargo Asia, so he was leading that team over there, Um, and we only worked together for three days, um, and he called me up one day saying, "Um, I've left my job, I am starting this business and starting uh, this business to produce a new innovation, do you want to join me? And at that point, I was in that space where I was looking for an opportunity that would allow me to do the innovation I wanted to do for the market um, and work full time on digital insurance. And so it just seemed, it didn't seem brave to me at the time. It just seemed like a no brainer because I'm motivated by what gives me happiness where I can provide value Um and learning, I love a challenge. I love learning. So no matter what happened when starting a business, at least I would learn and that would give me a lot of job satisfaction. Um, so that's why I decided to do it. and at the time it didn't seem brave. It just seemed like the obvious choice. makes sense, and that that makes sense. But
0: I think I really want to pick on this. You met someone for three days and then they were like, "Come on, let's jump and let's let's do this you know great adventure, let's let's go together. That's that's wonderful because um, I've been in situations where you meet someone and and things connect or they actually see the work that you do and how you work and and I don't necessarily I don't know what your view on this is but I don't think it comes down to that you've done the job is how you did it exactly um, and what the how you how you yeah how are you as a person and and how you carry yourself
1: yeah I completely agree I think for me the the thing my co-founder and i connected on in the beginning was um the first thing we did was agree the values of how we want to build a business um and that was the most important thing for me it doesn't matter what skills a person has it me- it matters what values they have um, and whether we have whether our values align for what we want to build and what we want to provide to the market um so that was the most important thing for me and that that's what helped my decision
0: that's that's actually so so interesting because it is the values it does because I think I always reflect when you are very stressed when you are you know under a lot of pressure um, what kicks in the most and, and I've realised it is the values that I've, I've been at points in the careers same uh, I'm sure for you as well where you know like what do i choose where do i go with it and and you do go all the way down to the basics you might not be aware that these are your values but that is that is what drives you forward isn't it
1: yeah it is it it's the most important thing it, it's it's how you do the work rather than what you do yeah but when we were
0: um, preparing for the podcast we were talking about this transition and and you've mentioned you know the famous word imposter syndrome yes Um, (laughs) and I really like because what you were talking about is around this internal pressure versus often we talk about external pressure that you know what others will think of but but you've had quite a bit of a battle internally share please uh, sort of tell me a bit more about that
1: yeah so I think for me um a lot of the battle for me was the internal imposter syndrome I had. When we started the business, even assigning the name chief technical officer to myself was difficult because I felt like a huge imposter. I've never done this before. A lot of the functions I was leading, um, I had never led before. So leadership of All of the technical functions was new for me. Um, Leadership of a business, designing and executing a business, all of that was new for me. And I wasn't scared. It was just um, I had imposter syndrome of I've never done this before. A lot of the people I talk to in the market and I'm working with are a lot more experienced than me. Um, And it was more an internal battle I had to overcome. So I think for me, that was a huge journey I've been on personally since we started. Um, I think I lacked a lot of confidence when we first began uh, that I've built up over the last two years. Um, And it's been a huge growth curve for me, not just the technical skills, but more the softer skills and gaining confidence in myself.
0: And how do you do that? Like, how do you, I always say imposter syndrome doesn't go away because there are very senior people that have been you know, around this many, many times and they also feel imposter syndrome because whenever you put yourself out of your comfort zone, it kicks in and and it's not only women, it's for men and women. So what tools have you picked up along the way to, to help you move forward? I
1: think um, one of the things is I get a lot of confidence from my technical ability. There's always something that... Um, you can fall back on where you know you're great at this or you're the best at this and for me I've always fallen back on my my technical abilities Um, so that gives me in that arena I'm really confident and in myself so I've, I've I use that as a tool to give myself the confidence to lead a meeting or a proposition or anything in life I use that um as a tool to leverage um and build upon for my confidence um i think also is i used to early in my career if someone challenged me or something i used to immediately go to doubting myself like have i done something wrong or um is something i produced wrong whereas now if someone challenges me my assumption is the starting assumption is i'm right and how do i um prove to this person that I'm correct or how do I work out whether what the gaps are so it's um, the assumptions we have we put on ourselves when uh, and how we react to situations is really important Um, and that's just something I've developed over time so I think it's it's a combination of the two having something to rely on to build confidence upon um, as well as the assumptions you have yourself and, and managing how you react to situations. I like that. I went to a presentation yesterday, and
0: it was talking about um, sort of uh, giving yourself credit and speaking about uh, accomplishments and what what you've done. But there was this one sentence that is, um, you know, is is brag? Is it is it bragging when you state facts about your accomplishments? And as you're speaking about the imposter syndrome and kind of you fall back on your technical knowledge. It came back to me because I'm thinking often uh, when imposter syndrome kicks in for me, I'll go, "Well, hang on a second. I've been invited to this meeting. I am holding this role." So you kind of take the logic, um, yeah, and and you remove the emotion, <laughs> uh, which is which is sort of a way that has helped
1: me. And and I, I think that is really yeah. that's a really helpful tool. I I do the same when I fall back on my technical skills or assume that I'm correct I just go into logic mode that what logical reasoning what is correct and how do I fact find so fact finding what's correct what's incorrect rather than um, uh, going using your emotion first you're using your logic first. Yeah, that's, that's true. And so there's one thing about you moving from
0: a corporate role into a startup, but then you are also a leader, right? You have a team and, and yeah. the team is constantly growing. Tell me about that transition into becoming not only a title, but actually in practice becoming a leader. How has that been for you?
1: I think it's been really rewarding. Um, so I think every leader is different and how you lead is different. Um, for me, it's about... Building other people, so giving others a platform, giving others a voice, um, and designing and for me, it's been about designing an operating model that I haven't seen or experienced in insurance, where different specialists are working together every day on the same goal, and that requires a lot of understanding, a lot of patience, um, and a lot of empathy from each individual, Um, and that's really helped me because then it my leadership style hasn't had to I haven't had to change my personality I've used um, the things that I'm good at to help me deliver that in the best way
0: yeah and you you know I remember you talking about the uh, the style that you have um, which was and how did you have to find your way to come out of a shell which I think is quite an interesting concept because often certainly the leadership courses have have changed over the years i remember sitting in the leadership course uh, about nine years ago and i was like you have to you know it was it was basically teaching you to be very alpha male kind of thing and i was like i can't be this person now the courses have certainly changed and they talk about the styles and how tell me about your style and tell me about how you actually
1: been on the journey to find it um so you'd have to ask my team (laughs) (laughs) um I always try to be firm but kind, so um, something that, uh, so I have an actuary who works with me within my team, uh, Ian, who really helps me with this because uh, he works within my team but he's got a lot more years experience than me um, and he's always told me just explain your intention and that tool has really helped me so whatever meeting i'm having whatever i'm explaining to someone whatever i'm asking of someone someone whether it's negative or positive i always lead by this is my intention um and that's really helpful for to help the other person understand where you're coming from and why they're being asked to do a certain thing so that's really really helped me um and apart from that it's uh, just understanding empathy um what's been really enjoyable is getting to know what people are good at and what they're not good at and what they really enjoy and where do they thrive and tailoring their roles towards that so that they are their best selves that brings value to themselves brings value to the business and we get the best out of them and they get the best out of themselves that's been really really enjoyable
0: it's it's such a beautiful way the way you describe it because you you approach you with curiosity and that's a that's an incredible leadership um, skill because uh, even you said about your team member, Ian, who, you know, a lot of people would feel threatened in these kind of situations, especially as a leader, but actually if you can recognize, okay, well, what do I know? What do we need to know as a team? How do we fill the gap? How do we support each other and just equally contribute towards it? So much more powerful than trying to know it all. Um, Yeah, I I completely agree. (laughs) It's yeah, it's a very different, um, very different dynamic, which is which is beautiful to hear. (laughs)
1: Yeah, I think openness and transparency are really important to me, and it's really difficult actually to have to get that in a team where everyone's completely open and transparent. This is what I know. This is what I don't know. This is what I'm struggling with. But once you um, start building those relationships with people and with your immediate team members, and hopefully as we scale uh, with our bigger team as well, that removes a lot of barriers and for what we're doing which is new in the market new innovation it's really important that we build empathy we build uh, connections with people and we build trust so for us for example we need to build trust with our insurance partners to allow them to do something with their capacity for the first time, automate underwriting that hasn't been done before for this segment of the market, and we're able to do that because of the relationships we build and the trust we build um, with them. So we understand what do they, what are they, what do they want, what do they not want, um, what would give them the confidence and trust to allow them to allow us to do this. So that openness, transparency, understanding is really key, not just for enjoyment in working and building team building skills but it's also really important to to deliver new innovation
0: yeah and it's we we've touched before as well on talent right because you said you're building something new so how do you how do you bring that talent together to actually bring something build something new
1: um I think it's Uh, recognising the different specialties you need, whether it's generalist skills or specialist skills, and then bringing the best in those specific areas together. So um, where everyone should be aligned is in values and culture and in the ways of working, and where everyone will be different is in their specialist technical skills. So someone may be a project manager and really organised, someone may be an engineer, someone may be a broker or an actuary, bringing those different skills together, working together to towards the same goal. So understanding the same goal, we're out here to deliver this innovation. How can I leverage my specialist skills to be able to deliver this? Um, so it's that collaboration um, on the basis of the same culture and values to use your unique strengths to deliver the same thing.
0: Right. I have a so I'm a very visual and as you were describing, I'm like, there is a picture right there. Yeah. <laughs> Which, you know, values culture. And then we all add their own little bits and speci- so simple. Um in, you know, but then it's is not always is not always executed. How do you um you know, you, you're building an amazing culture in your business. I mean, just before we were talking, I was like, how's your Friday going? Like, we have no meetings on Fridays. <laughs> and I love that. What kind of, you know, that's a brilliant policy to have, so you can actually read your emails and, and do some work. Um, you know, how do you, how do you set out? Because you, you've been able to actually set the culture, set the values, and then maintain it as you grow. Yeah. What do you
1: think allowed you and your co-founder to do that? Um, I think it's uh, especially when you're a small team um anyone who's um not aligned with those values or disruptive can cause a big dent in the team so it's finding the right people um within the interview process who align on the on the collaboration on transparency um on understanding But then also while working, it's. um, I read somewhere that it's when you're at work and you know that the behaviours you do naturally um, are rewarded, and the behaviours you don't do naturally and you're, you're are against are. Um, frowned upon within your business that's when you know you're in the right culture for you um, and that's really true it's just how you how you react day to day it's in the micro things rather than the macro culture um, whenever a situation happens or how you deal with any meeting or deal with any situation it's how you actually deal with that um, that is really important rather than the macro having a macro meeting saying this is the culture of the business we all need to do this it's more in how you behave and the standards you set yourself um, in the day-to-day operations of a business,
0: that's actually so powerful in the right way for businesses to reflect, but actually for you individually to reflect, I think it's again we often miss the the small nuances, the small things, and and if you tune in more into how you feel, how the what's the reason behind you feel this way, that's where you will really get a good feeling of. Whether it's the right spot or not, I love that. That's brilliant. I didn't. I didn't. Yeah, never. I'm definitely going to be googling this now. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, there's a there's a bit of um, uh, especially if you big, you know, if you follow on social media and stuff like that. There's a bit of a glamour around setting up a business, um, and you know, it's all great overnight, absolutely brilliant. Um, how has it been for you? You know, what's the kind of not that I want to say it's it's negative because I'm sure it has beautiful things but like what's the reality of actually
1: having a startup good and bad um so I'm going to contradict myself so one of the biggest things for me (laughs) (laughs) has been that um it's hot it's hard work so obviously you expect that um when you start but it's it is graft it is hard work um For us, we're not leveraging an existing brand. We are completely starting from scratch. So, it's building every area of the business up from scratch. Um, So, it is hard, but it's extremely rewarding. Um, And then to contradict that, it's hard, but it's not as hard as people think. So, a lot of people um, ask me, what are the hours like? Or, um, you know, you must be working like every night and every weekend and you've probably like not slept in in years and actually it's not much different from my life when I was a consultant um as a consultant you're often working to really tight deadlines and sometimes you're working long hours and it's similar to that I I wouldn't say that the hours I work have changed since um my last role so yeah it's it's a bit of a contradiction it's hard work as you would expect but actually it's not as hard as some others might expect it's not you don't have to do you know kill yourself or put in more hours than you are doing in your jobs now
0: yeah, I think that's a, I think that's very fair. And as well, you work in, I guess, maybe the responsibility, not that you're not responsible for your work when you are working in a big organization, but certainly when you are a co-founder, maybe that the responsibility sits in another. What would you say, uh, you know, because I've been on that corporate trajectory and I never, if you've asked me, you know, five years ago, would I ever switch to my, my setup is different to yours, but still kind of not having um, that steady corporate role. I would have just laughed right in your face. Now, I can't fully imagine how I would go back. Um, but they are different skills and different, um, it's not for everyone, one or the other, right? You've experienced both. What would you say are the traits of, of kind of skills and traits that are more in the startup versus a large corporation?
1: Um, I think for me it's it's been a bit of a different experience and this goes back to the imposter syndrome and gaining confidence which is I didn't know if I could do it I just knew I would learn a lot and I would give it a go um, but actually what I've found is it's what I'm doing is very similar to what I used to do so it's Uh, designing a solution, building a solution and then executing it is very similar to building up a new innovation proposition within a big corporate. You have different challenges and a lot of those challenges may be legal in a large corporate, whereas in um, a startup, you have more leverage to be able to execute at the pace you want to because you've got less of those barriers, but you face compliance issues in another way. So, you need to make sure that then you're compliant with a regulator and you're compliant with all, all of your um, insurance partners. So, it's similar and different, but I would say I have a lot more control um, and a lot more... Uh, in the beginning, I used to think, oh, am I allowed to decide what the new, <laughs> this new innovation for the market is and am I allowed to design the operating model and execute it? But that's what's really fun is you have to ask a million different people in a large corporate, whereas in a startup, you're the decision maker and you've got that decision-making maker making ability um, to be creative design something and actually see it through and execute it which is really fun and rewarding and and um and I appreciate the opportunity I have to do that because I know a lot of people don't have that opportunity brilliant and on reflection on your
0: career if you were kind of taken back to the first two, three years in um would you give yourself a, an advice based on what you know now is there any advice that you didn't know back then
1: um I just say have more confidence in yourself I think um, as I mentioned it's been a growth journey Um, so I'd say have more confidence in yourself Um, don't automatically doubt yourself um, and uh, be brave take those chances because they'll pay off in the future
0: I love that that confidence bit is so important isn't it so important um okay so it's it's been there's been so many wonderful kind of uh, just tips but also thoughts and and ways of thinking about um journey and leadership I'm I'm very inspired by the um the ability that you've had throughout your career to kind of pause and keep on looking for that happiness and the happiness looks different to every person isn't it so Throughout your career, what would you say that you've been able to experience thanks to career and insurance that you maybe wouldn't have otherwise?
1: Um, I think it's the opportunities. So um, I haven't had many no's in my career. And I think that's because of um, the mentors I've had within my career, whether they knew they were mentors or not. But a lot of the senior people I've um, come across within my career have I've not had many no's if I say Would you mind if I get involved in this or um, can I do X, Y, and Z? I've had more yeses than nos in my career. So that opportunity you have in insurance, I think overall as a market, it's a very people-driven industry and people in general are in insurance are nice people um, and they're very helpful. And if anyone listening to the podcast is struggling for any reason, it's just – get in touch or get in or build a network there's so many kind helpful intelligent smart people within insurance who are very happy to help no matter what it is
0: as that is a the best kind of ending to this episode I could ask for it's 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 so true and I know it's sometimes hard to reach out but I think if you I always say if you see a profile even on LinkedIn right if you especially quite introverted and you don't necessarily want to approach someone if you see a profile on LinkedIn and you're like oh my god this person is so inspiring whatever it is for you that's making you think that write to them and say that that's how you feel and you just want to hear the story I completely agree
1: I completely I'm the biggest introvert ever and I've started doing that as well just messaging people on LinkedIn who I admire for whatever reason and saying I love this interview you did or I love this post or um, I'm just to let you know I'm a distant admirer Um, I think it always makes someone's day and uh, yeah you never know how they could be feeling that day so yeah always reach out
0: yeah. And you never know what will open up as well. And, and, you know, people always, especially if you're in that point that we spoke about where you're not sure where to go, look at people that inspire you and they'll share you various stories and then you can make your own yeah. mold and shape <laughs> well I'm sure you were an inspiration to many just as I when I looked at your profile I was like wow this is really I want to hear your story so thank you so much for, for sharing this story and thank you so much for joining me here
1: no, thank you for having me I really
0: appreciate it Thank you for listening to today's episode. Help me to share these stories with as many people as possible by rating the podcast and sharing episodes on your social media platforms. Remember, this is a podcast for you, so your opinion matters to me. If you have any recommendations on comments, please get in touch. Don't forget to follow the podcast on social media at 100 Women in & Insurance to find out about the upcoming releases, guest spotlights and top career tips.